Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 42 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. What's cracking? So I took a couple of weeks off from the pod so I could let it breathe for a moment. And for some of the folks who have found their way here to give it a spin and try out a few of the apps. And for those of you who have done that, thank you so much for finding your way over here. It means the world to me that you feel like this is time well spent and that you're getting something out of it. Because believe me, as the host, researcher, and producer of this podcast, I am not getting rich off it. But there is something far more valuable than that in every single episode. Far more valuable in the journey overall. So thank you so much for jumping in as we all battle to improve ourselves and our mindset and the choices we make and consequently the actions that we do take as we strive to become what Jocko Willink likes to refer to as, quote, eminently qualified human beings. And if you haven't picked up on it yet, yes, this is a huge Jocko house. Now, the beauty of this podcast and the larger journey that I'm on right now is I get to meet and speak with plenty of folks that I admire, respect, and even now consider mentors or confidants. Newsflash, this is why I'm doing it. I want access to these people so I can learn new strategies and implement them to ensure that my best 25 years of my life are in fact in front of me and not behind me. That is the mission. And that brings me to this week's guest. Colin Henderson is a former two-sports star in college, but even more importantly for our purposes, he is a master of mindset. He is a mental skills coach, a keynote speaker, a performance coach, an author, a podcaster. But again, the reason I want to meet up and chop it up with Colin is he is an authority in the thing that I believe matters most in our pursuit of excellence and happiness and self-fulfillment and elite mindset. Colin, despite being a super achiever and a two-sports star in college, started to experience debilitating panic attacks. And given how hard he was working on his craft and his body, he couldn't figure out why that was. Until it finally hit him. As hard as he was working and as dedicated as he was, he was not giving enough or really any attention at all to the thing that mattered most, that space between his ears. And until he addressed that, He was never going to overcome his anxiety, much less live the life that he's living right now. If it sounds familiar to you, and it should, because it's familiar to virtually every last one of us, this is an episode that you do not want to miss. It's episode 42 of the Reinvention Project with guest Colin Henderson, and it's coming at you right now. So, Colin, first off, let me say I think that you are a really interesting dude, and I think you're extremely insightful, and I'm a really, really great admirer of your work and philosophy. So, first, it's great to meet you, and I really appreciate you taking time to chop it up with me today. Colin, how are you? How is everything? Life is good, man. I'm, uh, like I said, blessed to be on the show. Um, This is great. Listen, I want to start right here. Like the one thing that comes up in literally every episode of this particular podcast is something you're an authority on, and that's mindset. You've written extensively on this. In fact, your podcast is entitled Master Your Mindset. It seems to me the quality of your life overall is directly related to the quality of your mindset, right? Like, and in turn, your actual thoughts. So, Colin, let me start right there. You've researched this. If you had to put a percentage on it, what percent of our thoughts are actually negative? Yeah, that's a great question. That's usually the question I'm asking uh, business people, leaders, salespeople, athletes. Is if you think about it, what percent of human thoughts are negative? And the answer is 80%. If you look at brain science, four out of five thoughts are negative. So just like gravity, what goes up must go down. And your brain is hardwired for survival. So it's a change from looking at lions and tigers killing us. Now it's how, how do I look? If I fail, what will happen? So I think step one to master mindset is to be aware that the brain is designed to survive, not thrive. 
All right. So to that point, like if, if four out of every five thoughts that we have is negative, like ultimately what becomes of these negative thoughts? How do they actually manifest themselves? Well, I think a good question that you can ask yourself, actually two questions is to number one, observe the thoughts and be aware. Most people aren't aware of how they have these constant thought traps, these constant old stories. So when you observe a thought that makes you feel an emotion, you see, Jim, fear is a physical response to a mental threat. And it's hard to keep track of all of our thoughts. We say up to some research says up to 70,000 thoughts per day. So a way to monitor your thoughts is to say, how am I feeling right now? But also your feelings aren't always true. But ask yourself these two questions when you observe a thought that makes you feel something that is, that is not good and say, is that thought true said by who? And just have that kind of process. You can challenge your own thoughts. All right. So I think this is really interesting what you just said. Before I follow up on that, let me ask you, like we're talking about how these thoughts actually manifest themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, Colin, do they ultimately all become physical? I mean, will thoughts ultimately all become physical or do some of them? What happens to them? Well, I think it depends like how, how strong the thought is and how much time you spend on the thought. That's why I think a practice that we all should take is some form of being mindful, mindfulness. The very word mindful means to pay attention and mindfulness is the practice of being self-aware without judgment. So we don't have to judge the thought. But if we're not aware of what we focus on, the truth is energy flows where focus goes. TBT, not throwback Thursday, thoughts become things. So if we're in these thoughts of anger, I'm bitter, or these thoughts of shame, or these re you're, you're replaying you know, failures, you somehow subconsciously manifest these things because your energy flows into those, those actions. I call it the thought cascade. Your thoughts influence pictures that you see, emotions that you feel, and beliefs that you hold. And these beliefs turn to our actions. But our beliefs aren't based off of truth, Jim. They're based on our perception of the truth. So taking time to journal, taking time to observe, taking time to be mindful. And then what I say, pre-plan your thoughts. Just like you would pre-plan an outfit or a meal, decide the best for you, decide you know, actions or values you want to embody and set that intention, think about them and feel it. Oh, see, this is amazing. Like now we're talking about re reverse engineering your thoughts, right? Like Colin, speak to this. I think that if you don't know any better, like you were trained like this, but if you didn't know any better, you might think your thoughts are actually pretty random, right? They just pop into your brain. You can't really control what you think or how your mind operates. It's just on autopilot. Like, mm -hmm. is that true? Or can you in fact control your mind and your thoughts? Well, here's a great question from author. Um, her name is Dr. Susan David. She says, who's in charge, the thinker or the thought? Mm. And Jim, I'll ask you that question before I give you the answer. Hey, you want to know what's absolutely awesome? Being able to work from anywhere at all. Like all you need is your laptop and a decent Wi-Fi. Now, you know what's not so great? Being spread out across the country and trying to keep the team on the same page and focused on the same tasks. That can be a real problem. That's why there's CODA. With teams working all across the country, if your best work is spread out across documents and spreadsheets and a stack of workflow tools that you have to jump in and out of all day long, then you absolutely have to have Coda, the doc that brings it all together. Coda is endlessly customizable and it's connected. There are templates for anything and everything. Product roadmap, remote onboarding, OKR tracker, meeting notes, you name it, Coda has it. And Coda adapts to growing teams and changing strategies. It can help change how you view information depending on what you need to do with it. And perhaps most importantly, Coda seamlessly integrates with the tools you need. Everything in Coda is synced. Make an update in a table, and it automatically shows up everywhere. No more relying on copy and paste to keep linchpin projects current. Your team can operate on the same information and collaborate the way we all want to, quickly and efficiently. Believe it or not, my team actually is spread out. We have people spread around, different states. Coda works seamlessly. With Coda, you can solve for just about anything at all. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to coda.io slash Rome. That's C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free. Coda.io.
O slash Rome. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's amazing. Like, I, who's in charge, the thinker or the thought? You know, in, at some point in my life, I might have said, you know, the thought, because like I said, thoughts are random and then you react to them. But I love this notion of you can pre-plan, pre-plan your thoughts. I'm going to say the thinker, of course, but it's something you have to learn. There you go. Well, it's just like if you own a dog, Jim, you own a dog. If, if the, the dog is untrained, like who's walking who? The dog is going to walk the master. <laughs> Right. But if 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 the if the master's done his job, the master's going to train her or, or the dog to, to sit, be, be still. So um, if the mind is untrained, the thought is going to dominate you. The thought's going to win. If the mind is trained, the thinker will win. And that's the work that I do. I had a master mindset because you can train your body craft and your mind. So just like as athletes, we're going to train our body to be strong, to be fast, you know, uh, in your craft, whether it's sales, whether you're a doctor, a surgeon, whether you're in sports, like, like LeBron, like let's work on our skills, like ball handling, but we can train our brain to think a certain way. We can train our brain because losing is a habit. Winning is a habit. Failing under, under pressure is a habit. So if we can identify, okay, what's the best version of me? What do I want? Um, what do the best people in my field do? And how do they think, how they act? Well, it's like uh, I used to, I joke, you know, when I was a kid, I used to look at this magazine called East Bay and I would look at this magazine East Bay and I'd pick out all the, all the gear and the gloves and the cleats I wanted. Well, your values and your identity is just like East Bay. Decide, pick and decide how you want to feel, how you want to think, how you want to show up and, and then go to the mind gym and mentally rehearse, visualize, use imagery, all your senses, pinpoint some, some power phrases. Pinpoint and, and experience the things you want to experience and see adversity happening and how you respond to that. Because if you let your brain, I get, again, does what it wants, it's going to go negative. So we can pre-plan this. I call this prehab. Mental conditioning is prehabbing your brain. You know, it's kind of like it's default negative, right? If you do not pre-plan and do not work it, it will default negative. Like, calling back to the point, I was going to ask you about this. You played two sports in college. It's a really uncommon thing. So you were probably putting in ungodly amounts of time and focus into training your body and your craft. You did that, right? So was that enough to ensure success, or were you neglecting something just as important as those two things? Yeah, that's a great question. And the reason why I do this work, uh, my time at Washington State, go Cougs, uh, I was the hardest worker. I was captain of the team in both teams. I was, um, I started and I was the hardest worker in the room. But I recognized, I remember my, my junior season, uh, hours before our first game, I had a great fall camp, a great spring. I was dominating, but I had this panic attack two hours before the game because I was thinking this game's on TV, uh, playing Idaho. It's on ESPN on Thursday night. Everyone's going to be watching. What if I drop its pass? What if I get off, you know, don't get pressed right away? What if I just down, went down this negative spiral? I did not proactively train my mind how to, how to breathe properly, how to be in the present moment, how to use one of the most powerful tools we all have is self-talk, how to use the, the, my mind to visualize things that I want, not to visualize things that I, I didn't want. And I had, a, I had like a bad year that year, Jim. And because I didn't have a coach. So I think, you know, here's a question for listeners out there. How important is mental fitness on a scale from one to 10? A thousand. Jim, you would say, you agree it's a uh, 10, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay. 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 So question two is scale one to 10. How much time do you prioritize training your mindset every day? And if I'm speaking to big audiences, you know, thousands or 500 or 10, everyone says probably four, three, two or less. And the reason why is because we're not coached on this. You can get a coach in the gym on how to lift weights. You can get a, a sales coach or a coach, a skills coach in sports to teach you how to dribble, how to kick, how to throw, how to tackle. There's not a lot of people looking for, how do I think better? How do I do this every day? How do I have the, the mental emotional skills to, to deal with self-doubt, to deal with failure, to, to, to create motivation and confidence? So that's why, so my mission statement, Jim, is to transform lives and normalize mindset training. You don't need to be sick to, to, to get better. In the mental space, it's always rehab, problem, problem, problem. Well, the top performers see that the missing puzzle piece to everything is to train your mindset. 
Yeah, I think this is everything. In fact, like since I've done this, Colin, I've thought about this for a long time, and I've always wanted, kind of wanted to be in this space. And the way I got into it, I actually appeared on Ed Milet's podcast, and we had a great conversation. I never met Ed before, but of course I knew of Ed. We all know of Ed. And, you know, he's so compelling. He's so riveting. And he said to me afterwards, he's like, you know, you actually are really good at this, and you're really interesting, and you have an interesting story to tell. And I said, Ed, I've always thought about this. I've always wanted to be in this space. And since I started doing this, Colin, I'm 42 episodes in, this very topic has come up in every single episode. It's mindset, mindset, mindset. And I know this. So you mentioned self-talk. So going from there, like what happens if you do not have a self-talk strategy or game plan and you do not address this and you don't have tactics for it? What happens? Well, it's just like when you eat crappy food, what happens? Your, your body's not healthy. Um, when you watch horrible things that you shouldn't be watching, it creates a picture in your mind. You start to, to live out the things that you're seeing, things that you're, that you're speaking. Yes. So, so like, just like you would have a game plan, like, okay, we're playing basketball. We're going to run this offense in football. We're going to, here's this, you know, linebacker, Mike linebacker, here's the stage. We're going to run this, this mesh cover, you know, this route tree thing. So when we step into the court, the boardroom, I say it begins before it begins. You have to have a game plan to elevate confidence. And Jim, let me ask you what back, back by research, what's the number one source of confidence preparation. Okay. Well, have you ever, done the work to get prepared and ready and you're in a new environment that's challenging and something that something doesn't go right first off and then you just bomb it yeah or yeah so that's part of it that's part of the equation or you've had you've done great in the past before you can go off of that but what we need to understand is that self-talk is the step before how you speak to yourself energy flows where that focus goes like attracts like so before that being that call we need to have the self-talk game plan to get into a peak state, to get our, our, our body and our mind in sync. And we focus on what we want. We focus on who we are. Most sales calls fail because before that sales call, they know what they're going to say. They know the product, but they have imposter syndrome. They have perfectionism and their self-talk language. They're manifesting all their fears. Fear and faith have a lot in common. Which one do you train? So if I can go back and teach my younger self what I know now, I would say change the language, man. Language is the wardrobe of your beliefs. Up to 97% of our subconscious actions or our actions are controlled by our subconscious mind. So the analogy I give is your brain is like a junk drawer. It's not organized. And you go to that junk drawer looking for tape, scissors, pen. Well, that junk drawer is like, hey, I want poise. I want to be resilient. I want to be present. I want to, whatever it is, fill in the blank. You don't know where to go. So mindset training is taking out that junk drawer and making a toolkit on, like I said, being resilient or having empathy or being present and have some, some rituals, have some daily routines, have a game plan on how you stop stopping yourself, how to create confidence. And I would just say self-talk is the most powerful tool that, that, that we all have. So during this great reshuffle, a record number of employees are considering switching jobs. So now is your chance to try to attract them. LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you connect with the people you want to interview faster and for free. I love it. I use it. I'm on the site all the time. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and then hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Hey, did you know every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome, linkedin.com slash R-O-M-E to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply here. See, Colin, the thing is you just said like 30 things that were really interesting to me that I could follow up on. So I got to pick my spots very carefully here. Like that, that's an amazing <laughs> answer right there. And I mean that in the best way possible. You mentioned that people think that they're imposters. Like when you're talking to people, I was going to say, does anybody ever hit you with something along the lines of, man, 
I'm a fraud. Like, I'm not who they, I'm not who or what they think I am. I'm almost living a lie here. I'm fraudulent, and deep down, I know it. I'm an imposter. Do you ever hear something like that? Oh, I hear it by everyone, like executives, CEOs. It's a natural human emotion to have self-doubt. Remember, the brain is designed to survive not thrive. It's a survival machine. It's like, I need to survive. I need to look at threats and danger. So the body feels the same physical state change as you would be facing like a physical threat, like a car coming to hit you as a threat you feel socially. Fear is when thoughts become physical. So it's a natural reaction to protect how I look because the, the brain craves what is called oxytocin. That's the bonding chemical. So ancient brain caveman, if you don't fit into a tribe, your chances of survival are not good because you're off on your own. So your brain's telling you, okay, play it safe. Don't say anything dumb, just fit in where we know that the top performers, the, the leaders that change the world are bold. They take massive action. But what helped me calm my nerves down is I recognize, dude, everyone's nervous. And no one goes to bed thinking about how I messed up. They're worried about how they looked. So if you can step into that meeting with empathy, with self-compassion, but to bring value and to be curious about understanding and helping other people, um, I would just tell people that's a, a normal emotion. And the research shows seven out of 10 people suffer from imposter syndrome. Hmm. In, in other words, most people or the majority of people walking around are having those very feelings. We're not talking about an outlier or a few people that are a little bit insecure. Like most people are suffering from that. And the thing you just said about taking massive action and not having fear. Colin, talk about courage and fear for a moment. As an example, like warriors gladiators, or how about this? Mm. Anybody who wages battle in the Colosseum of life, those mm. that, do they not feel fear or do they have a better strategy for managing that fear? Mm. I think the biggest lie that the average people who look up and say, well, they have it better than me or they had a better upbringing or they have resources, I don't. And they think these top performers always feel motivated. They always feel confident. That's a lie. What top performers do is they act different than how they feel. They act different than how they feel because jim here's a question you brought up warrior what does the coward and the warrior have in common what does the coward and the warrior have in common well yes. they, they both have fear yes there you go you answered they both feel fear the coward runs away the warrior runs towards battle one of my favorite quotes is from the author philosopher his name is joseph campbell he says the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek the best things in life are on the other side of fear. So if we can just lean into it, don't run away, but get curious. When I feel fear, I get curious and say, what can I learn from this? What emotion? If you can name it, you can tame it. Name that emotion. Name that fear. Because oftentimes it's made up. Fear is an illusion. Oftentimes. And I, I teach people, well, I was say, I teach people not to N-O fear. I teach them to K-N-O-W fear, to know it. To get comfortable in it, to to challenge yourself, um, is this real fear or is this, is this fake fear? I like act different than how you feel, which is kind of back to the standard over feelings. It's just there's got to be a standard. You just got to act differently than you feel because if you always give into how you feel, you can act accordingly. And and how many times do you really feel great? How many times do you really feel motivated? No. Not that often, right? So how about this? Like if we're all primarily motivated, Colin, by Motivated by or driven by a couple of things, pleasure and pain. Like, yep. ultimately, we are going to pursue pleasure, and we're going to try to avoid pain, obviously. But what happens if we constantly pursue pleasure and do everything we can to avoid pain? What then are the repercussions? Yeah, that, that's the worst thing. You can do easy as a trap. So, so how do you trust other people? They do what they say they're going to do. How do you trust yourself? You do what you say. You do hard things. That's how you build that resilient muscle. That's how you build that, that grit is uh, if, if there's a, a, a chick that's in an egg and if you help that chick hatch, it won't survive. Like we need struggle, but it's, it's hard because this is, Jim, this is, I think the biggest problem that most of us face in the world is we attach our worth to what we do. We attach our self-love, how we perceive ourselves, our self-image to that performance. And that's what creates the anxiety is it's just not a safe place, not safe place for us to fail. Steph Curry misses a lot of shots, a lot. But why is Steph the best shooter? Because when he misses 14, he keeps shooting. Shoot or shoot. He's not defined by that, by that last miss. 
So that last sales presentation or that call, like you aren't defined by what you do. I tell every performer I train, master these five words, I'm not defined by this. This podcast, this interview doesn't define me. So I think what we need to go back to, we talked about uh, how, how standards over feelings. Have we done the exercise to, to evaluate what, what do I value? What are values that I value? And that, that's what helps me calm my nerves. I have a tattoo on my wrist. There's a G on it. My goal in life is to be a G. Let's uh, put God first, but then gratitude, giving, and growing every single day. I can control those things. I can't control the outcome. I can't control what, what you think. So just having that perspective shift, to me, perspective is everything. The two mother of all mental skills. One is self-awareness. That's how you perceive yourself. And perspective is how you see everything or, or everything around you. I think these things are so important. I was going to ask you, Colin, about the five words. I've heard you say that before, and I was fascinated by that. In fact, you would go even harder. I've heard you say that if you master these five words, it will change your life. And I want to go back to that and make sure that our listeners heard what you just said. Quote, I'm not defined by this. I'm not defined by this. You kind of answered it already, but I was going to say, not defined by what? By, by the, the performance, the win, the loss, the, the feeling, the experience. I mean, having a growth mindset is like, I'm never going to stop growing. Like I'm more into effort and, and developing and, and serving um, and giving and growing. I think a lot of performers, I coach people every day and they get so caught up on the result and the outcome. And that, that's crippling. And they let a failure define who they are. They let a mistake or a feedback shape their, their self-image. And what's powerful when you look at the mind is you never outperform your self-image. So if you're attaching what's possible to you for you or who you are by what you do, that's unfair to yourself. That's unfair. And I'm a living embodying example. Is Jim, my biggest fear in life is public speaking. I used to stutter for most of my life, like massive stutter problem hmm. because I, I switched schools in sixth grade new school, new environment. I had to read out loud. Anxiety crept in, you know, fear again is a physical response. So, you know, I joke palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, vomit on a sweater, already mom's spaghetti. So you have a physical state change. So I started sweating everywhere and stopped breathing. I could make a sound and everybody started laughing and my brain and body stored that mistake. And it told me, don't let that happen again. So my coping skill was to avoid speaking in public and what you don't use, you lose what you resist persists. So through high school, as a young adult, there was times I had a hard time answering the phone, saying my own name, ordering food through a drive-through. I remember in business sales, I was uh, asked to say something real quick on a WebEx. I had a panic attack because I didn't put myself in these environments. But I know this to be true. If asking for help is a sign of strength. I did therapy. I did speech therapy. I did Toastmasters for three years where I gave speeches every single week. And my first, you know, Months were not good, but I kept showing up. So I know this to be true, Jim. If you do what you fear the most, there's nothing you cannot do. This is an amazing thing in and of itself. First of all, Colin, I say this half in jest, but when you say that it actually kind of started in sixth grade when you changed schools and you had to do some, you had to stand up in front of the class and it did not go well and it stayed with you and it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. I say this half in jest. We, I grew up in Los Angeles and my life started off really great. We were on the west side of LA and I was like the little president of the school in sixth grade and my life was setting up perfectly. And then my parents moved over the hill to the San Fernando Valley where they wanted to build a plant and they were manufacturers. And I jumped into a new school where I knew nobody. And I'm just kind of, right now I'm just kind of riffing with you because it's something I really don't talk about, but it was hard. Like, you know, there's always that kid that can come out of nowhere and be the most popular kid and they're just good. They're comfortable. They have that it. I was that kid. So whereas I didn't have a public speaking thing, I had lots of other things because it didn't work out. So I kind of know exactly what you're talking about. That, in fact, I'm, I'm not sure at 57 calling that I'm still right because of that move back in the day. Yeah, no, I, it's true. I, 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 I say yeah. that half in jest, but I think you know yeah. what I'm talking about. That's hard. That could be really hard, hard, right? That's totally hard. And that, but this is what I learned in therapy. Pain that's not properly processed gets projected. Yeah. So if you don't spend time to not live in that emotion, but, but feel it and cry and experience it and go through that grieving process and let it clear and then have self-compassion and then say, I'm not defined by that. And, and one of my favorite like life models is don't find yourself, create yourself. 
like, who do you want to be? It's not IQ or aptitude. It's, it's work. It's passion. Oh yeah. You, you said it great that, you know, nature has given us two drivers. One is pleasure. One is pain. Well, my, my uh, pleasure is I want to transform the world by making mindset training normal. But so the goal is the pull, the why is the push. My, your why should be, your why should come from pain. So I tap into that pain when I would cry myself to sleep. You know, when I didn't tell this stuff even to my wife until we were married for years, I, 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 I hid all these things. So have compassion. But then if you can flip it and say, how can I use this pain to be of service? How can I use my mess and turn it into a message that's, that could change someone's life? Because we all have something that we're going through. And, our, and this, this wiring is not shaped by good things. The brain is like Velcro to negativity. So this conditioning, Jim, is not shaped by good stuff. Like how you see yourself is not shaped by good stuff. The brain keeps a scoreboard of all your failures. So this conditioning is shaped by what I call trauma, drama, daddy, and mama stuff. Listen, so it, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, can't, I was going to say, I didn't use it because I was in high school, middle school, high school, and obviously young and developing. So I, I didn't have the wherewithal to turn that into service, but I'll tell you what I did do. I did use it. And I did convert it. So if I was kind of awkward and not fitting in and and not really feeling good about me, somehow, some way, I was able to convert that into fuel, use that as a chip on my shoulder, and I was really motivated. So, you know, I don't think that I cried myself to sleep, but I certainly was on a mission and and it and it behooved me. You know, and I didn't I didn't do anything immoral, I didn't do anything unethically. But I mean, damn it, I was gonna get mine. Like I, I yeah, I love that. You know, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I just, I really had that chip. And part of what I'm doing right now is trying to recapture that chip or a chip. You said the word scoreboard, and I want to get into this with you because this, you more than anybody understand this. And I hate, part of me hates to go there, but then I'm talking to you, and we need to be really self-aware. We need to be honest. We need to be transparent. One of the most basic tenets of my talk show, my other job, my daily show. Colin is in my literally my whole career. I've said this since the very first time I cracked open a microphone as somebody in my early 20s. And that's scoreboard. Scoreboard. Whenever anybody makes an excuse or complains about anything at all, the refs, injury, you try to discredit the winner or any individual. It's just, I'd hammer them with scoreboard, scoreboard, look up at it, scoreboard. It never lies. Mm -hmm. And obviously it still matters or they wouldn't keep score. But, but. And I hate to even go here because it's a basic tenet of my program, but maybe it's time for me to readdress this. And especially with you as a former athlete and teaching what you treat right, teach right now, I have to ask you, what is more important, process or outcome? Well, if you work in the highest levels, you don't produce, you don't have a job. That's a fact. Right. So we have to produce. But there's a different way to approach it. I think we have to look at what are our goals and then what are the behaviors that help us reach those goals? I say, focus on the root, not the fruit. If you get seduced by the fruit, by the scoreboard, the outcomes, and you do it only because of these external things, you won't be happy and you're going to be stressed out and it's going to be miserable. Correct. I love yeah. to win, yes. but I love the process, man. I love the, the art and science of, of getting better. Of, of pinpointing the, the winning behaviors and doubling down on my values of gratitude, giving, growing. What are the behaviors? You know, how much should I be reading? How much should I be writing? And just get obsessed with that. And if you get obsessed with that, you're like Tom Brady. He's still playing because he loves to play. He loves to win, but he loves the day to day. And that's just a, a, a mindset shift to endure setback. Because if you're only school, bro, what happens when you get freaking crushed and you play horrible? It's going to be harder to keep going. But if you love your craft, if you love your teammates, if you love the process, if you love the journey, then you're going to endure hardship a lot better. You know, this point, Colin, about like focus on the root and not the fruit, like, and I know you teach this and 
probably not only to performers, you you deal with high-level athletes, but also high-level business people and then salespeople. And by the way, I don't don't even get me started on sales. Like I, I tried that. That was one of the most devastating, brutal parts of my life. I think one of the reasons why I've had a good career in broadcasting is because I was so crappy at sales and it created so much anxiety in my life. But that that that's that's something different. But when we talk root versus fruit, what you're really saying is routine. Everybody needs a routine. Why is routine so critical for everybody? Well, it's kind of like listeners. Do you lose your wallet and your keys ever? Yes, probably. everybody does, right? Half the people says yes. Well, probably because you don't have a designated spot. To That's go it. To. So a routine is a place for clarity and calm. If you have a routine, you get into this autopilot and you don't have to think. We get what is called decision fatigue oftentimes. So what is your pregame routine, your pre-call routine, your morning routine, your night routine? Pre-plan some of these behaviors. So it eliminates how much energy you're wasting thinking on what to do or where should I do this? Where should I put that? So when I present, I have the same gear I wear. I have the same routine before I get up on stage. Again, if it's an audience of a thousand or of 10, I have the same routine. Trust it, love it, do it. That just calms you down. So there's a lot of things we can do with that route. But part of that analogy is, man, with social media today, Instagram, um, you know, all these things that we can see other people doing marketing, advertising that we just like, I'm comparing, I'm judging, and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're, you're chasing worth or you're chasing what you think you're going to feel. And it's just, it's not a healthy thing. It's just not good for your mind. It's not good for your, to cultivate happiness. So when I say tend to your land, plow your field, like love, love what you have. Cause most people focus on all the things that they don't have. They focus on who they, who they aren't, not who they are. So the root is, Jim, you've doubled down on your strengths, haven't you? Like you found a niche that gives you energy that you're good at, and you triple down on, on being different. Being different is a superpower, man. So focus on the root is like, ju just, just do you too. You know? I think so. But so where, where do you come out on this, Colin? Because there is dispute in this. Do you double down on your strengths and ignore the things that you're not as good at, or do you need to spend time working on your weaknesses? Yeah, so when you say weaknesses, I would say let's pinpoint one thing to work on at a time. Yep. Not plural, but you have to have that self-awareness. Tom Brady is not Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is not Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in the pocket doing his thing. Russell, actually a younger Russ, is running around. So it's like you have to identify like what makes me different? What, what, is my, what value do I provide? What, what makes me different that I can, I can capitalize on? Because most of us spend all of our time always comparing ourselves to other people or trying to change who we are. So I think we have to know who we are, know our strength, but also like, yeah, I want to get better. I have this growth mindset. I, I, and, and most people in the world don't watch tape of themselves. That's where sports has advantage. They get, you know, I remember playing at WSU. We had this eye in the sky. Every single drill was filmed. You get to watch that. Most people don't want to get feedback, Jim. They don't because they, their, their pride gets in the way. Um, they don't want feedback because it doesn't feel good sometimes when they say, so you didn't, you didn't do something right. But I think everybody needs a coach, man. That's why coaching is so critical. Um, getting feedback is critical. Um, so I would agree with you. I, we got to double down our strengths, but you, there's, there has to be parts of you that you can get better at. And so I, I'm this, I'm this desperate pursuit. I, I'm always, I'm always trying to get better. You, you know, Con, it's, I, I'm not looking for the free advice right here from a professional, but I will tell you this, like early on in my career, the one thing that I think that I had an advantage, I had two advantages. Number one, I always knew exactly what I wanted to do from an early age. So that's good. Like not everybody knows that. So I thought that was an inherent advantage. The other advantage I think that I had was I didn't think I had advantages. And I mm. knew that. And I was very self-aware of that because I was able to say to myself, even in college, when I realized, you know, unlike you, I was not going to be a high-level athlete, even though I wanted to, I was able to ask myself the question, how are you different? How are you different? How, what makes you different? And initially, I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. Mm. There's nothing that makes me different. And I figured if I could not answer that question, I would not succeed. So I thought about it long and hard. 
and I was able to create separation. I ultimately found my separation. But you know what's funny? Like 30 years later now, and this is why I'm doing this, and this is why I'm talking to you right now, I set this platform up to have conversations like this. I'm once again asking myself at age 57, how am I different? What is my separation? And you know what? It was very clear to me when I was 21, not as clear to me right now. So when you work with professionals and you work with salespeople and they're looking for separation and they're a little bit farther down the road right now, how mm-hmm. do you answer that? How do you get them to answer it? What's the process? I always coach and teach by asking questions. Um, so maybe I'll ask you, Jim, and this may be an exercise for our listeners. They can a- answer the question too. So how would you define the word leadership in one word? That's interesting. Um, I'm going to say ownership, accountability, well, okay, that, those are all great. There's no who says there's a right answer. If you follow the teaching of John C. Maxwell, he says leadership is one word, influence. Hmm. But that's where he stops. And I'm someone who scratched my head. I'm curious, well, well Maxwell, what, what is influence? And then now it's turned again. Jim, how would you define the word influence if you had one word? Uh, okay, the, the one word game is tricky. Um, let me think. In, <laughs> okay, influence. Um, that's interesting. Because, and I like to fancy myself kind of a wordsmith, and that's still kind of a tricky exercise. Influence, yeah. persuasion. Okay. Back to, I mean, I'd say leadership, except we already started at leadership. We can't repeat the same word. Influence. Well, see, Jim, as your mindset coach, we're, we're learning here. We're in the mind gym right now. So it's great. You don't have to have a clear answer. But you want to keep trying or you want to throw one out? Or I, can just, I can jump in. Jump in. Okay. So we're talking about leadership, right? How do you lead people? What's influence? Well, how do you influence people? The word is value. You bring value. Mm-hmm. You can't lead someone unless you bring them value. You can't lead, you can't influence unless you bring them value. So you have to ask yourself, man, how do I bring value? What tools do I have? What traits do I have? What skills do I have? Um, what am I curious about that I can learn more about to bring value? And a simple sequence I use is scratch an itch, find a niche, you'll be rich, bitch. You know? <laughs> right. So scratch an itch. Like, what lights you up? Hey, Colin, where do you come up with this shit? You've got a million of these things. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This is from, it's not for me. It's just from above. I have no idea. No, I, I'm, and by the way, I, I, mean I, that, I mean that in a, in a complimentary <laughs> sense. Don't, oh, I'm thank not, you, thank I'm not you. making light of it, but you do have a million of those things. Yeah. Well, it's, so let's just backward design this. Okay. How, how do I separate? Right. Okay. Scratch an itch. It's this acronym BOBA, be obsessed or be average. Like, what are you obsessed about? What are you right. curious about? What, what do you research? What do you read? What do you think about? What do you talk about? Like, that's a strength. That's how you separate. And that probably comes from a source of pain that most people haven't even tapped into. So scratch itch. What are you obsessed with? I, I think, by it. the way, I think that's so important. I'm sorry to interrupt I, because I think yeah. that is so important. I, I've said this before on this podcast. The points in my life where I was most content, where I was most effective, when I had the most juice was earlier in my career on the way up because of that very thing. I was obsessed. I was obsessed. I woke up in the morning, shot out of a cannon with clarity of thought because I had this obsession with mission. So now Mm -hmm. that once you get down the road, I'm trying to find a way to kind of reclaim that obsession. And it may or may not be there if I'm being really honest. So now I'm trying Mm -hmm. to get obsessed with being obsessed. I think the obsession thing is huge. Yeah. Huge. Well, but but let's just talk about being the best for you and not overworking yourself too too like too hard. So I love Fair. the phrasing. Are you grinding or are you grooving? Yep. So the next step to tie this together is what's your scratch and itch, but then what's your niche? Who's your audience? Who has the problem that your itch that you can solve for them? That you're on a mission to figure it out, to make a better version of offering of solutions or or um like this podcast, or when you meet people and talk to them, like to, to uncover their story, to learn the insights of greatness. So scratch an itch. What am I curious about? What am I obsessed with? Find a niche. Well, who, who's an audience I can solve that problem? What problem do they have? The more niche, the better. I think you want to be really, really rich. The riches are in the niches. Like get niche. Clarity is power. The best focus on less, not more. A confused buyer doesn't buy. So get clear on what lights you up? What are you obsessed with? Well, who has that problem? Then, you, then if you solve it, 
man, you're gonna have energy, you're gonna have income, you're gonna have probably a lot of friends, a lot of, a lot of connections because you're on this, this mission. And another thing I would say, how do you get the juice, man? How do you separate? Is you don't go alone. You want the juice? Is you find people that have that same mission. That's it. That's it. You, you are who you roll with and you feed off that. I, I noticed this. Like part of the pandemic was, I'm not gonna lie to you, like I, I'm in a routine where I grind more than groove. I understand that. I think that's food for thought, what you just gave me. But uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, when the pandemic hit, I was not one of those people who was like, oh, no, what do I do? I miss all of that. No, because I was always in my own bubble anyway, grinding away, and I got to keep doing that. And I I didn't have – I had some issues that resulted, you know, put on a little weight, felt a little sluggish, addressed that. But – I, I didn't miss all that interaction. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I will tell you this. Whenever you get around people that are like-minded, that make you better, that challenge you, yes. That, I mean, that makes things so much better in terms of your energy, your Jewish, your obsession. I want to follow up on something that you just said that's interesting. I was going to ask you about this, too. Like, y- you and I are actually are grooving because you were saying things that I wanted to get to, but you said less is more. Less is more. I want to ask you, less what? Like, less shiny things or maybe less distractions and less things to focus on, less of what is more? Yeah, well, I, I say it, it's the start that stops most people. If you have too many options, too many things in, in your environment, it's hard to get started. So if you can do, ask yourself and decide and define like what really matters, stop majoring in minor things. Stop wasting your time on things that don't even, you don't even serve you. Most people have a list of things to do and they do the easy stuff first. Like what is essential for me? What is, my, what is my one domino? And if you can knock down those dominoes every single day and say, what really matters? And it goes back to, what do I want the most? Do my behaviors match those goals? So a simple drill we can do, Jim, is I call, I call it MIT's most important tasks. Pick three. Decide what you want. And then figure out why you want it. And ask yourself this question, am I interested or committed? If I'm committed, let's lock in three daily, daily behaviors. And, and then, then they do those. Because we get sidetracked by all this shit that doesn't matter. All this stuff that is just wasting time and this precious energy. And it's the analogy, you know, boats don't sink from water outside the boat. Boats sink when water gets inside. So let's eliminate distraction. Let's create an environment that's easy to get started and pinpoint, okay, is this activity, is this thing, is this behavior, is this in alignment with my goals and my values? You know, Colin, there's something, and I so appreciate this conversation. This is amazing, actually. It's thick, but it's but it's accessible, and it's given me so much to think about. I've been thinking about this, and I've been playing with this concept, and it's not an original thought per se, and I haven't fully flushed it out, but, like, this whole thing about, you know, mindset and developing the right mindset. You go to a physical gym, and you work out. Like, in my home, I've got kind of a hybrid office slash gym. I've got a Peloton in there. I've got some free weights. It's a physical gym. I've been playing with this notion of I need a mental gym. I need to go to a place to work on that most important muscle, my brain, the mental gym. I mean, do you physically go to a mental gym? Do you have a mental gym? Is it just in your brain? What do you make of this notion of having a mental gym alongside your physical gym? I love that. I, I you love the, the phrasing mind gym. You can't just exercise. You got to exercise. But most people don't know, don't know what to do. So exercise exactly. Yeah, if you've never worked on your fitness and you went to a gym by yourself, there's all these machines, all these things you can do. Like I'm so stressed out, I don't know what to do. I think a lot of us look at their well-being and their mindset like the same way. Like, what do I do? It's overwhelming. Like, there's mindfulness and there's podcast and there's this app I can download and there's all these uh, quotes on Instagram I can look at. So it's just it's been very confusing. So again, when I started doing this work, it was probably nine, 10 years ago when I was just struggling, depressed, anxious, wasn't sleeping. I would cope by going to watch movies in the middle of the day. That's how I would cope just to numb myself. And then I changed companies. I got exposed to the sales coach that was like all about the mind. He went on this riff about like, here's these books and here's these thought leaders. And I started researching and reading. And I, you know, for two or three years, like every day diving deep into research and studies and books and thought leaders, I found if everything, everybody, everyone who teaches this stuff back a thousand years ago, if we can do these four things every day, like these four mental, emotional lifts, these four things, like you're going to train your brain, period. All backed by science. I call this the four minute mental workout or the HA method. It's an acronym. So I'll break down the steps, Jim. The first one is to just breathe. 
find your breath, just to be centered, to be present, to not judge the thought, but just find your breath, slow it down, and just practice stillness, to be right here. Shame is in the past, fear is in the future, peak performance is in the now. And your breath is always your best tool to recognize where am I? I'm right here. So breathe for a minute, just slow it down. The next sequence is what I call the ha method. H is for I have. So do a minute rep of gratitude. You can write it, you can do it through prayer, you can reflect, but don't just think it, Jim, feel it. The body produces five million cells per day. Your cells are eavesdropping on your thoughts. You can think yourself into sickness. You can think yourself into feeling in a, in a peak state. So reflect on what you have. And then I am, the, the A is, is affirmations, powerful self-talk. Like I'm, I'm built for this. I've put on the work. Why not me? I'm a savage. I can't wait to crush this pocket. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna serve today. Just choose that language to override how our thoughts are wired to be negative. And then the last one, I will, is to visualize, to use mental imagery. I will set your intention. There's a lot of science on what happens to the brain when you visualize. The brain cannot tell the difference between a real imagined event. Everything happens twice, first in our mind, then in real life. So most people spend their day focusing on fear. And their subconscious is storing these mental grooves, these neural pathways. So you keep manifesting the same shit you don't want because you're in that mental state. Well, if you can reprogram, rewire, focus on what I do want, who I am, not who I'm not, who I want to be, and experience that using all your senses, your brain is storing future memories. You're creating neural pathways. You're creating a reality that your subconscious, huh, that, okay, that idea came to my mind. I can help solve that problem. It takes four minutes. Breathe. I have gratitude. I am affirmations. I will set your intention and visualize it. It's amazing. All right. So like I, I could do this for hours, but I, I, I can, but I won't. But like, so when it, if that takes four minutes a day, I love this notion of you can rewire your brain. You frankly can reprogram and rewire your brain. If that takes four minutes a day, Colin, how long does it take you really to effectively rewire your brain? Well, and that would be just like a daily primer. Right. Like if I'm singing in front of thousands of people, I'm going to warm up my voice before I sing. If I'm an athlete, I'm not going out running sprints without warming up first, right? If I'm a car, you have to get your engine started and warmed up. If I'm baking a pizza, you got you to you get the oven preheated. So most of us wake up and we pull up our cell phone and we look at Instagram. We look at all the emails. We have to I've got a feeling you the, don't do that. Are you, are you one well, of those? No, I don't look at my phone. No, I, no the, the phrasing we use is sweat before screen. Work right. out physically, but get your mental sweat on too. But this is just a daily primer and it gives you a system. This is from James Clear. We don't rise to our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. So this is a mindset system. And this is, this is being proactive. Now you can meditate and you can use the Calm app or Headspace app and just practice being present and you know, um, just working on your breath and just being still. And just, there's a lot of healing power than that. But this is mental conditioning. I'm conditioning confidence. I'm conditioning gratitude. I'm, I'm, I'm conditioning a clarity of a vision. And what's cool about when you visualize, it's kind of like uh, when I'm working with athletes, I was like, man, you can get a perfect rep every day. If you take the ball out, you eliminate the risk of failure. So you get to create a perfect rep. And when you experience with all your senses, your brain can't tell the difference. It has the same response physically, emotionally in your mind as you're actually doing it. So uh, in your marriage, in your, your friendships, in your career, um, why would you not use this scientifically proven skill and trend, but also throughout the day, mindful, be aware of these thought traps or these ants, automatic negative thoughts. Be aware of and challenged. I know that my first thought will be negative, but my second, third, fourth thought doesn't have to be because I'm aware. I love myself. I'm driven. I want to make an impact. And it starts with me. This is from Plato. He says the first and greatest victory is over self, conquer self. So it's a daily battle. That's it. Exactly. The war with yourself. Listen, before you go, I want to go back to something you said. Like you said nine or 10 years ago, Colin, you were depressed, probably anxiety ridden. Were you in sales? Like, it's amazing to me yeah. that you are where you are. Like what was, because believe me, like I did, I tried outside sales. All right. I tried back in the day to sell dictation equipment and this is cold calling, prospecting, mm -hmm. bad neighborhoods, bad territories. And I just was not good at it. I wanted to be good at it. I read every book, man. I read Og Mandino. I read Tom Hopkins. I yeah. read Zig Ziglar. I took the Dale Carnegie course. Believe me, I was motivated. Just could not get it done. I thought it was the product. I moved on to telephone systems. 
Dude, it was a nightmare. And so I know what you mean when you said that you would be hiding out in movie theaters. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? Like, where were you 10 years yeah. ago? Um, so my customer base was uh, surgeons and hospitals. Um, if you're a doctor, I mean, I called on that that type of a uh, group of, of customers. So um, selling to an educated customer, like, like a physician, was kind of stressful. Selling uh, therapies and, and products. So... Um, again, I would just chase work tied to performance, you know, and you put these customers onto this, this pedestal. Um, but I didn't train my uh, mind. So like I said, you can train body craft mind, like, and you go through sales training. So here's, here's the drug you're going to sell. And here's the, the background. Here's the trials. Here's the studies. Um, here's the, the marketing research, but they don't teach you how to study yourself, how to study your, these bad thought, these bad thought loops or how to manage fear, how to be motivated, uh, how to create confidence. So this is the most underutilized skill in business how to master your mindset because if you had two groups jim here's group one like like you had like here's here's the, um the product and here's the market and here's the research and i mean you probably read some good some good books but i feel like a lot of those thought leaders back then they're not teaching brain science they're not teaching what's going on um it's like more like let's get motivated type stuff so if we can go to the mind gym and heal some of that, some of that past, you know, trauma and, and how to cultivate confidence, how to have self the empathy, how to really master gratitude and, and service and how to create stillness so you can find solutions. Your brain's like Google. We're asking the wrong questions. We're asking why, why We're can't I Googling the why wrong shit. We're Googling the wrong shit and your brain's going to find the answer. So ask better questions. So I, I don't know, man, I, I struggled and nothing changed. I mean, I was successful, though, I would say that. Like, I would just, that's my, I, I'll just grit it out. Like, I'll, I'm, you know, scoreboard, I'll find a way to win. But at what cost? Not a great father, not a great husband, because I was stuck in my own shit. So, and I still work through this stuff. I don't have it all figured out. But I think once I just had a mentor, once I had a teacher that taught me sales psychology beats sales strategy. So if we don't have a psychology game plan on how to stop stopping ourselves, how to connect, how to bring value, how to be real, how to, how to be a great storyteller, how to create emotion, you know, how to serve, how to solve problems, how to not make it about you, that's everything. And that starts with your mind. It's, it's really funny before you go, Colin, like back in the day, it's so crazy. Back in the day, believe it or not, this didn't work. Hey, Mr. Prospect, I'm going to be in your neighborhood on Tuesday and Thursday of next week. What works better for you? Uh, oh, they didn't. They left me no way out. I guess I have to answer. Uh, Tuesday, great. Three o'clock or five o'clock? Uh, five o'clock, great. See you then. Believe it or not, that didn't work. In fact, that was like a reason to go. Like somebody want to punch me in the face every time I tried that. So you're right. Sales psychology over sales strategy. So then finally, this the mentor that you met, whoever it was, he started to kind of direct you in that direction. And you said you started to read books on the topic. Like what were the types of things that you read? Um, think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Um, Isn't that funny how that book, it. that book is like, do you think it's timeless, right? It still holds up. Yeah. That book was written in the early 1900s or the 1930s yeah. or whenever it was. That's it. Um, let's see the uh, secret, which is not validated by research, but it's got me thinking about how to start thinking better. Um, the magic of thinking big, um, the alchemist, like I'm just trying to think back of all these books. I have actually a list of books on my a website that people can go to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I just think it's just proactively finding resources, finding tools. Are you, so here's a question, Jim, for your listeners to analyze. What's your education to entertainment ratio? Love that. Love you know, in terms of Love assessing that. your your time, well, I mean, in outside sales, when I got this job, you know, I covered five states, so I was on, I was driving a lot. There's audiobooks now, there's podcasts. So ignorance is a choice. Ignorance is a choice, and it's how bad do you want it? I mean, do you want to be average? Raise your hand. Well, keep doing average shit. If you want to be elite, start doing elite shit, and that's not just knowing your product. It's like doing all the other stuff. I absolutely love that. I love that. So, Colin, you, and again, I could keep doing this. I, I This is exactly what I hoped that this would be. I so appreciate you. I'm so glad that you and I could meet. You mentioned your website where there's a list of books. You've got lots of different things on your website. You are an author. You're a performance coach. You're a keynote speaker. You're a mental skills coach. And you've got your own podcast, by the way, Master Your Mindset Podcast. I know you work with colleges. I know you work with businesses. I know you work with individuals. If people want more information or they want to reach out to you or maybe they want to work with you, what is the best way for them to do this? Thank you, Jim, for that opportunity. Uh, go to theculinaries.com. 
That's that's the website. You can uh, message me direct or go to my Instagram at Colin Henderson or LinkedIn. I would say those those two things. Colin is with two L's as well. Let's make sure yeah, they two know L's. that too. Correct. Yeah. Or you go to Amazon, search. I have I've written seven books and two journals. Hmm. So go to go to Amazon too. All right. So I, I appreciate this so much. Go to Amazon. I've already done that. I've already gone to the website. I think there's so much really interesting information. And this is one of those conversations. I love it. Like, you know this already, and I've done this for a long time. So I always know that the best interviews are, in fact, not interviews. They're conversations. And the best conversations, the ones where you lose track of time. Like, I, I'm really mindful of, I have a guest. 30 minutes is probably it. 40 if that guest is feeling it. I literally didn't even look at the clock, so maybe that's not good for you, Colin, but that's how good that conversation was, and that's how much I appreciate you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. So I hate to sound like a broken record, but... Yet another example of somebody I was eager to meet, and when I finally did, the conversation exceeded all expectations. Colin absolutely crushed that. Secondly, mindset, mindset, mindset. You find me somebody you admire who is just killing the game, and I guarantee they have a killer mindset. And they were not born with it. They were not hardwired for it. No one is. They did the work. They went into what I call the mental gym. Now, we all know about the physical gym. You may have even built yourself a physical gym where maybe you have free weights and a squat rack, a bench, some kettlebells. Maybe you roll around on the mat. But just like the physical gym, you need to build or go into a mental gym. The physical gym is for strength and stamina and quickness and explosiveness. We need to set aside space and time for the mental gym as well because you have to work the most important muscle, the muscle between the ears. Like how many times has this come up on this podcast? Every single time, if you don't control your mind, it will control you. If you don't direct your mind, it will direct you, and it will direct you into all the wrong places. Colin said it best, the majority of our thoughts are negative. And then how do those negative thoughts manifest themselves? By becoming things. And then those things become physical actions and crappy thoughts turn into crappy actions, and crappy actions turn into crappy days, then weeks, then months, then years, and then what do you know? You have a crappy life. Why? Because you never got into your mental gym. You did not develop your most important and powerful muscle. It's like the physical gym. If your diet is crap, and you have little or no movement, and you don't work out, your body will deteriorate and break down, and you'll be susceptible to all sorts of illnesses and problems. We all know this. That's why we try to get the work in. That's why we try to work out. That's why we try to fuel our bodies properly. That's why we try to get enough sleep for rest and recovery, so we can get up, fire out of bed, and go to battle every single day. We know these things, but the same exact things relate to the mind, or at least the same amount of work you have to do, yet so few of us consistently do that work. Again, to reiterate, Colin was a two-sports star in college working his ass off, but exclusively on his craft and his physical conditioning, but not his mental conditioning. And then he couldn't figure out why he was suffering from anxiety and panic attacks. Listen, in no way am I a mental health professional. And if you are suffering, you should see one. But it seems to me that it's imperative to build your mental gym and get your work in every single day like you do your physical gym. Your brain will only run you if you allow it to. Get control of your thoughts, then you'll get control of your actions, get control of your actions, and then you get control of your life. Also, Colin was exceptional on my favorite topic, standard over feeling. Standard over feeling. Like, we're all afraid. All of us. Even the greatest warrior slash gladiator that we know, he or she feels just like a coward does. The difference is the warrior runs towards the battle every single time. Run towards the battle. Run towards what you fear most. And then you start to deprogram yourself and rewire your brain. And then it becomes a part of your DNA. 
And then one day you no longer think about it, you just do it every single time because then it's ingrained and your brain has learned it. Your brain has learned this is what we do. We don't blink. We don't step back. We are relentless. If you want to overcome fear, and I think we all need to work on this, I am myself. If you want to overcome fear, run towards it. Run to what you fear most. Do not run away from it. And finally, I love this notion that one of the most important things he has ever learned and practices constantly is, quote, I am not defined by this. Like personally, I fight this myself. And I guarantee everybody listening is, in fact, defined by something and maybe not a good thing. Something that already happened, something that you cannot change, something that you cannot have back. Not only does it not serve you, but it's probably slowly killing you. I know it's killing your mindset, and it's creating this horrible movie in your mind that you watch over and over again that prevents you from taking any positive actions, moving ahead, and getting control of your life. If you take anything at all from today's episode, and I've incorporated this into my own life, but if you take anything at all, it should be that. Like when I find myself getting hooked or ruminating over something that literally happened to me years ago— I now break that pattern immediately by saying, I am not defined by this. I am not defined by this. Like, got fired from your dream job? I am not defined by this. The love of your life got away? I am not defined by this. Went bonehead at the worst possible time in the biggest gamer match of your life? I am not defined by this. I am defined by my response and the way I reframe anything and everything that happens to me. Or to take it one step further, as my guy Ed Milet likes to say, nothing happens to me, everything happens for me. Per usual, some amazing insight and information from a brilliant thinker, Colin Henderson. I hope you got as much out of that as I did because I actually got a ton from it. I know we're picking up new listeners for each episode, and I appreciate that very, very much. If it's something that you are enjoying or something you're benefiting from, I would love for you to share this and tell others about it and subscribe and review it. Again, it means the world to me that you're on this journey with me because time is precious and you can use yours in a million different ways. Thank you for spending it with me and sharing it right here. Stay after it, keep grinding, and I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.